Family from the Heart, podcast episode number 355. Welcome to another episode of The Family from the Heart, a podcast that is devoted to giving you a behind-the-scenes look into the lives of the Ravenscraft family, a family that has given up on the ordinary to pursue the lives for which they were created. Now, here are your hosts, Cliff and Stephanie. We are back, my friends. Hello, everyone. Stephanie, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. We are going to be talking today about two television shows that we have, well, okay, Stephanie's already binge-watched one of them years ago. I have. We're currently binge-watching another, <laughs> which is cool because- when As binge as you can on our schedule. Well, this, this is true. And when you're not available to binge with me, I You're default. binging on what I've already seen. Exactly. And in today's episode, we are going to answer a question that asks us to go deeper on something we've talked about previously. Yes. So that's that's what we've got this week. Awesome. First of all, let's talk about House of Cards. Yeah. All right. So we're binge watching House of Cards. Currently. Um, currently. Last season three came out last February. It did. We watched four episodes and got stuck. Because we did. they weren't the best four episodes. Well, and not only that, but... Do you remember the first six episodes of season three of Lost? Yes. Very comparable. Exactly. What, what, ho-hum, <laughs> ho-hum. <laughs> I believe is what you called them. And I would say that the same is true of the first four episodes of... Was that season three of season House of Cards? Season three. And so you had said, are we ever going to finish this? I'm like, I don't really feel like I, I need to finish season three. Um, I just am not digging it. So... I had to do some errands with kids. Well, and you for, said that you, can I go ahead without you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I come home from my errands and you've watched at two, like, like two almost episodes. two episodes. You were at the end of the second episode and you're like, this is actually <laughs> getting good. Maybe we should have stuck it out for that, you know, fifth and sixth episode. And so you tell me what's going on. And then I finished season three with you. Yep. And it it was, it was good. It ended pretty decent. It I mean, ended it, pretty well. I loved it? the way it ended actually. Did you? I did. I love the way season three ended. Um, and so now we're watching season four, which came out in February. Yeah. And um, and it's pretty decent so far. It's pretty decent so far. And I think we're on, what, episode five or something I'm like really that? I'm really ready to see the whole house of cards fall down and be rebuilt. Yeah. Like the whole thing. Not just the, not just the crumbling at the bottom that's always being worked on, but the whole thing come down and start all over. Well, that's what you want. That's what I want. Yeah. That's what I'm, I as a viewer want. And and here's the thing. Of course, don't worry. We're not going to spoil anything for you. No. Uh, you don't have to. I'm just saying. Anyone who has ever seen House of Cards knows that it's all about the crumbling at the bottom. Exactly. The things that you can't yeah, control. No, I understand that. I just want to let people know if you're relatively new to us and you haven't ever gotten around to House of Cards, um, you don't have to worry about spoiling anything no. for you. But the the one thing I can say is that I am rooting for, it's weird, I am one of those people who is rooting for the Mm anti-hero of the story. Yes, you are. And it's written in that way. It's kind of like, this person is a very terrible person, does horrible things, and House of Cards has created a show that makes you root for the villain. Yeah. Every time. And, and that is not true. That, that's not only true to House of Cards. There's other right. television shows that have done this, a, a similar thing. Um, but this is the first one I've ever watched where I seem to be consistently rooting for the bad guy to always win. <laughs> <laughs> 
It, I have no idea why, right. but it, but I do find myself enjoying House of Cards. We, as Stephanie said, we kind of just grew cold of it. You know, mm-hmm. we it just it wasn't doing it for us last season. And at, at the time when we got to episode four, it, another factor that led to us stopping where we did after episode four was it was as, as House of Cards was released for us to binge watch whenever we wanted all of our other favorite shows had come back from their well, hiatus. And so we yes, had we plenty of other a, shows that we were watching. Well, yes, but we also took a cruise last February. And so we were gone for like 10 days. Was that last year? Wow. <laughs> so there, there are a lot of factors. So and when we came back, we just never got around to it. But that's, we're back into it. And how many, they're, they're usually 13 episodes, something like that, 14. Yeah. Anyway, so we still have plenty more. And when we say binge watching, we mean... Yeah, I think we're about halfway through, aren't we? What we episode are we on? I have no idea. Me neither. But we're enjoying it. It's it's it, it's moving it forward. And we're we're invested in the actual show itself. And so I, I'm, I'm along for that. I'm ready. I'm ready to... Stephanie's ready for it to be over. I'm ready for it to shape or, or change in some way. It, it's... You want the I anti-hero want to fall. And climb back up, but... Oh, okay. To fall, yes. Do you want him to be to cl- Do you want him to fall, and do you want to see them, re- you know, come to some kind of redemption? And no, because I don't think that that character would ever get there. Like, yeah, I, I'm a total, I'm a total supporter of a redemption story. I've, I've said that in the books that I read, I've in the television that I watch. I am a total supporter of a redemption story as a believer i believe we are all capable of redemption it is there for all of us to take and to have and to but i don't think that it's possible for this character <laughs> i just don't just, think just because it's he's possible. just because he's fictionalized <laughs> no because i don't think he would ever humble himself enough to accept it well see i i i go to the extreme of exactly what you were just saying before that it's possible for anyone and so for anybody that's not fictional, I do think it's possible for anyone to to pursue the path of redemption. Mm-hmm. I do. And no matter now no matter how far gone they are. Now I'm not saying that they won't deal with And this is the only character I've I've ever felt like cuz I've said many times that one of my favorite television shows is One Tree Hill. Yeah. Has so much great relationship drama in that show. I just I love that show. Uh-huh. Always have. Um, from, from season one, the bad guy is Dan Scott. Okay. Okay. You don't like, you love to hate him. That is, that is his purpose in that show. He is the villain. Right. And even I loved his redemption story. Cool. All right. So but the, I just don't see one for so house of cards. Stephanie yep. and I are in the process of this current season and for the most part, enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Stephanie watched this television show on Netflix years ago. Yes, it did. And so it is available. It's been on Netflix for a very long time. It's a Showtime original television series. Can I just interrupt you to say something? Because you say years no, ago. I, I, you're not allowed to ever do that anytime ever on any podcast we ever do. I know, right? <laughs> Somehow I managed to get away with it. So you say years ago. And I would say... Yeah, I watched that show about two or three years ago. That's years ago. Hold on, hold on. But then I remember we've been in this house for two years almost. Yep. And so really, it's probably more like four or five years ago. And that's exactly what I said. I know, but I'm like, my, my, um, my concept of years ago Mm -hmm. is, is now 
weird because it is because it it was easy for me to say years ago because I knew it was in our old house. Right. Which was years ago. And that for me is years ago. Although I do exactly know what you're saying. It doesn't feel like I don't even know how long we've been in this house now. It'll be two years in June. Okay. And this is March. So yeah, actually that's yeah. So, but yeah, it It, doesn't feel like we've always lived here though. It does. And it's, it's changed my reference to years ago. Because what I would assume would be like two years ago, in fact, is like four years ago, and I'm confused. Do you sometimes do you sometimes have a hard time thinking about what life was like in our old house? Um, does it seem that far distant, that far removed? No, but I'm no because I have I have memories of how things worked in that, but I can't imagine trying to be there now. Okay, like maybe I did say that incorrectly. I mean, I, it's not like I can't remember it, right? But it, it, it's just so foreign. It seems so foreign to it me. It does seem foreign. And sometimes I wonder how we made it work as long as we did. Yeah. And um, I yeah. teach these podcasting A to Z students uh, in my in my course. Mm-hmm. And every now and then I take a video that I've pre-recorded. You know, I get a question that comes <laughs> up. In the old studio. That, that's me. And, and so they're asking me, hey, Cliff, what do I do about all of this echo and all this other things? And and so I link them to a video that was recorded like four and a half years ago. I mean, right. the content is exactly the same as what it would if I was to re-record it, re-record it today. But there are so many different things. Number one, um, I was up at like five o'clock in the morning, unshaved and yeah. my, you know, and, and the lighting was terrible. I was in my old studio and not to mention the fact that I was, you know, I was about 80 pounds heavy than I am now right. and I'm like I should probably re-record that someday yeah you should so um did you know that Matthew misses the old house no he does he misses his broom closet his broom closet which is what we refer to his tiny little bedroom that barely had room for a bed our our walk-in closet today is bigger than Matthew's bedroom was previously that might be put in my it might be about the same actually square footage no because we could have his bed both ways okay. and we wouldn't be able to have his bed um okay it might, it might be a little so bit of a stretch it, it, but it's a, it's a not much not much <laughs> not much but our walk-in closet is about the size that matthew's room was but he misses that he misses you know the one thing is is there there is definitely more room we're further apart from each mm-hmm. other we can be further apart i mean you could be in your bedroom and somebody could be in the kitchen or and you can't hear them and, like, and and we don't we're not like we wouldn't know the other person was here unless we right. knew for a fact and i kind of like that but the other thing is is that um one of the things that i love is that when we go to bed at night our entire family is on the we're same on the level same and we're all i mean i love I that too. i do too yeah absolutely it's one of my favorite things and that when we have company over we can clean we can clean the first level yeah because that's where because we live upstairs you know that's where all of our laundry is and that's where all of our mess is and yeah so if um, you ever come over and the house looks awesome please do not walk upstairs (laughs) just don't do it you're not welcome up there (laughs) you're not welcome (laughs) that's not true anyways so a couple of years ago yes or years ago i watched a show Oh, is that where we got (laughs) sidetracked somewhere yep i knew where we were (laughs) all of that because of your distraction your so, inter- it's my fine. interruption it's good it, it was a happy interruption it was all right a couple years ago well that was you you were talking i was giving you your words uh, oh so you. stephanie watched the show a couple of years ago yeah, so tell us about it it's, it's so, called the tutors it's called the tutors um and and it's not a bunch of a family that eats beans every night for dinner 
That wasn't even funny. It wasn't funny at all. Not I don't even know why I said that. I didn't think about it before it came out. That's, I just put it out there. That's right. You really need to think before you speak. Yes. Yeah. I should. Okay. So it's about the Tudor dynasty. Yes. Um, Henry, um, King Henry VIII. And, um, well, you know, hold, hold on. Joe, our personal trainer, I was telling him that we were watching the Tudors. Uh-huh. And he thought it was about um, people who need help with homework. You know, that it's a it's a like a reality series about Such people. A child. Who are... <laughs> well, he's in college right now and getting he, ready to do exams and he stuff. He is. I know. But he's still a child. So that's, when I said tutors, they, he's like, so wait a uh-huh. second. Like, no, 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 no. It, this is medieval times. This is this is the Tudor dynasty. King Henry the eighth. That deal. Yes. And um, I binged watched. Uh, are there four seasons? Four right. seasons. I think I watched this in less than a week. Um, I will probably be through all of them. When did I start watching it? Do you have any idea? It's um, probably been a week. So it's, Yeah, it, you've watched it all of this week. You probably started on Saturday or Sunday. and um, I would say it's going to take me approximately three to four weeks right. to get through well, it. Well, I watched it during the summer when the kids and I were home all day. And there was nothing, you know, Yeah. no extracurriculars, no. And then, I mean, really, if you think about four years ago, our life schedule, our daily schedule was completely different than what it is now. Yeah. And um, so the tutors, what is and it? So, so that's what it, it is. Um, it is a fictionalized, fictional, fictionalized drama based on the um, rule of, of Henry VIII. And um. I found it to be amazing. It surrounds his the story of his life of um, his marriage to King, Queen Catherine, mm-hmm. and who was a uh, Spanish. Yes, and his falling in love with Anne Boleyn, mm-hmm. and who you know, and then also how he, you know, what caused him, and how those relationships caused him to break ties with the Holy Catholic Church. Yep. And, you know, of course, I don't think it's possible to really, quote unquote, spoil this show for you because, well, it's history. And if you know anything about European history, then then, you know, that certain people get beheaded, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and, and so there's a little bit of that. But the interesting thing is, is that I did take a lot of world history. History was a, a has been a huge passion of mine. And when I was in high school and then also in college, world history, uh, specifically European history, was something that was always fascinating to me. Now, I studied it. I did extremely well on my exams and stuff like that. But I will tell you that a majority of the things that I learned, I just heard one time. And then I didn't really think about it anymore until it was, you know, the night or two nights before the exam. And I would study, 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 and I'd memorize certain facts. And I could actually write an essay into those little composition books with no problem at all. And then the next day, it's completely gone. So not much of that stuff really you stuck didn't retain with any me. Of it. The only thing that stuck with me is I, re- I remember the name. You know, I, I remember Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. I remember Catherine of Aragon. I remember Anne, the name Anne Boleyn. I remember Sir Thomas More. And the only reason I remember S- Sir Thomas More is because we have Thomas More College, College right here, right down mm-hmm. the road. Um, and, and not to mention the fact that I, when I was in elementary school, I attended a Catholic school for, I think, six years. Mm-hmm. And so there was religion class and stuff like that. And so a, a lot of these people that are saints, you know, cause I think, um, Saint, I think it's Saint Thomas More. I think Thomas More was canonized. 
So there, there's all of these different things. And, and now I'm watching this show and I know it's fictionalized. Mm-hmm. I know that this isn't really how right. things played out. But to give you an idea of what life might have been like in that t- period of time, you know, what power to have that much power as being the king is like. And, and to actually see the, the behind the curtains of how religion and politics kind of mixed at the time and and actually I happen to know from firsthand experience how some of what I see is probably not probably, too far right, stre- right. it's probably not that much of a stretch from the truth um but it's been so fascinating it I has found been it so incredibly fascinating. fascinating absolutely amazing show um I thoroughly enjoyed it from beginning to end yeah you know what I I would say that um okay so we talked about Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. The same thing I love about Downton Abbey is what I love about the Tudors. Okay. Um, the the it's the it's a period drama yes. with a period of history that I am that I find fascinating. It is also the very it's very much the the that what do you call that the hierarchy of it, the what is that called? Do you know? I I know the name of it. I can't really think I don't of know it. What you're thinking? The the caste system or whatever. The, okay. the classes. Uh, you you've got the elite and the the lords and the right all of that stuff. So I I love all I love that period of history. Getting to to kind of see how people interacted with one another and what was what was politically correct and what was politically incorrect. Some of the things that I say today, I mean literally, some of the things that I believe and I speak out for very openly uh, in conversations with people, I would be either burned at the stake back then or right. boiled to death. Yes. <laughs> I mean, right. seriously, by the St. Thomas More. Right. <laughs> I would be burned at the stake by this St. Thomas More yep. if I lived back in that time, probably. Probably. So it, it it's, yeah, I find it fascinating. But it, it is a period drama. I think the, the quote-unquote dialogue in Downton Abbey is better Yes. Than the dialogue in the Tudors. Uh, that's Julian Fellows is the guy behind Downton mm-hmm. Abbey. And I think that his writing of that show was absolutely brilliant. But this is com- this is completely different and at the same time. And so the, I do enjoy the writing and the dialogue that's in the Tudors. It's mm-hmm. just it's just different. It's just different. And what else about the Tudors? Uh, just so you know, if if anybody's mm-hmm. out there slightly offended by you nudity. Know, then, yeah. yeah, you probably would not care for this show very or much or executions if you have a problem with yeah, you know you, blood and guts and you probably shouldn't watch it. yeah show. and people literally showing you people burning to death yep um yeah so but yeah th- this show is i i'm on season i'm actually on season two episode three or four right now of the tutors and i'm watching it in between times when i get to watch mm-hmm. if you and i are together and we have time together to watch a television show together we're we watch, watching house of cards right and if I have time to watch television and you're not available, I'm watching The Tudors. The Tudors, right. And I've I've grown so much addicted to The Tudors. And I'm probably going to not be too happy about this, but I'm watching it while I'm on the elliptical. So when I'm doing cardio workouts, <gasps> I'm watching The Tudors, right. which I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's probably still, good to burn off that excess energy while watching that show. <laughs> it is because, you know, it does actually keep my heart rate up. Yeah. I, it, it is a it is a good show to mm-hmm. kind of. And, and the next thing you know, it's like the end of the show. You've been on the elliptical for an hour and you don't even realize it. The only reason why I say I might actually come to uh, not like the fact that I've done this is that I think I'm going to burn through these four seasons much faster than I would have otherwise. Yeah. And, and I'm not, 
And here's the thing. I know there are only four seasons and I'm not looking forward to this ending. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So the tutors. It's very good. There you go. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am. And the cool thing is is Stephanie kind of, she's seen it before. She enjoyed it enough that every now and then when she comes (laughs) that I love that I can come in and I can ask you a question, but it's not really a spoiler because it's history. Yeah. Are they married yet? No. (laughs) No. But thanks. (laughs) I'm not spoiling anything. It happened. Yeah, well, that's the uh, that's the other thing I was telling you is that every now and then um, I'll pause the thing and I'm and then you're, I, I'll you're go becoming and, like I pull, the Wikipedia king. I download I downloaded the <laughs> Wikipedia app just so it would actually be more mobile friendly for me when I'm reading. Uh, and so I, that's funny. I, so I pull up one of the characters that I that has just been introduced in the show, and I'm like, and I'm reading through, and I'm like, oh darn it, that's a spoiler. That's, dang it! <laughs> I didn't need to know that. Yeah, but uh, uh, Thomas Tallis. Ah, yes. I, I I actually am starting to listen to his music now because okay. of that, you yep. know, and, and I we had been introduced to that uh, Thomas Tallis through the Fifty Shades yes. um, yep. book. So absolutely. But uh, yeah, that uh, Thomas Tallis is brilliant. And yes, he was. Great music. And now I, I'll and the other day I was sitting down here and instead of playing my focus at will, I was playing um, the Tallis, the Thomas Tallis music okay. in the background. And it kind of just does the same thing for me. It just is in the background and. I feel like I'm working in medieval times here at my 27-inch iMac with all my external monitors. Right? and Your bright light shining on your head. Exactly. Nice. <sighs> Entertainment. So Entertainment. Taking my, you know, this is what I tell people. I'm all about taking your message, your business, and your life to the next level. And sometimes I, that just means taking your entertainment to the next level. Right. And and I enjoy, that's that for me, you know, trying to think about this next season of my life. This is a theme that we touch mm-hmm. on from time to time. You know, I, I, I'm wondering, how, is there going to be a way that I make as much money as I do today or potentially more doing what I feel most called to do, which is really weird because what I feel most called to do is to encourage people to entertain. Yes, but, but just to be a source of encouragement and inspiration. How do I get paid to do that. I mean, it's like, I understand people want to pay, they'll pay you to teach them how to do a podcast. They'll pay you to help them reach a goal. They'll pay you to do this and, and stuff like that. But how it, are there people, are there ways to make a significant amount of, enter, of income from somebody who just encourages and inspires people? Is that possible? And then I think about the people who are in entertainment. You know, there's a lot of people who are in the world of entertainment and they make lots of money and they really don't add a ton of value to people's lives outside of entertainment. And here's the deal. Entertainment, for me, I find extremely valuable. And entertainment is something that I pay a great deal of money for. Right. We pay money monthly to uh, Dish Network. We pay monthly, monthly to Netflix. Um, We're my, getting ready to pay money monthly to stars. Yeah, for for Outlander. <laughs> for the Outlander, yeah. Um, and we pay money on a consistent basis to go to movies, and and so entertainment is something that consistently I'm trading certificates of appreciation, which are what mm-hmm. we call money, right? Um, but I give certificates of appreciation to people and entities that entertain me all the time, and. So I'm, and, and the one thing that comes to me is, is there's one guy, his name is um, Tony Robbins. He's the one person I can think of who makes a significant amount of income and his primary thing that what he does is encourages and inspires people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, anyway, 
that's total off random. That was, yeah. Random there. Random. Random. But that's okay. This is the family from the heart show and these are the things that come to our mind. So there was a question that came in from Katie and she left this as a comment on one of our previous episodes. She says, hello, Cliff and Stephanie. I found your podcast. Yeah. She says, I found your podcast about a year ago and she loves it, by the way. Uh, In this episode, the one that she was commenting on, what are you laughing at? I was laughing at that she loves it. (laughs) Of course she does. Of course she does. That reminds me that I just, we had this conversation I shared with you, but uh, I posted a vlog of mine on Mm -hmm. Facebook the other day. And as soon as I did, I, you know, Facebook has the little like button and you, <laughs> you can, went and liked your own. I, no, no, you I loved didn't, it. I didn't. I didn't like it. I hovered over and I clicked the heart and I and because I, it because I loved it. And so and the idea, the reason why I do that is because I know that the more th- likes and loves and all that other stuff it gets, Facebook actually counts that towards their algorithm to the more the more exposure or more likes that a post gets the, the more, more it'll peop- be seen yeah the more they'll push it out to other people who are following me mm-hmm. and so i i automatically used to go in and just like it but now i'm like i'm going to love it so somebody wrote to me the other day and the very first comment was cliff did you just love your own post and i and i wrote back and i'm like why yes i did don't you love the work that you do <laughs> If I didn't love it, why would I put it out there? Why would there? you put it out, right? So anyway, and then somebody okay. else wrote and said, well, if in case you didn't get the memo, liking your own post is tacky. I'm like, Whatever. So is pointing out that liking my own post is tacky. Yeah. Thank Pub- you. Yeah, publicly. I'll be tacky, you be tacky, we'll be tacky together. Let's be tacky. For all tacky. All right. So anyway, she loves our podcast. She does. As, Thank you. As she should. Thank you, Katie. We really appreciate that. Um, that's just my arrogance. I don't, I don't know. As she should, they're not all lovable. No. Recently, the <laughs> really? last, last couple of episodes are, are pretty are pretty good. Yeah. So far, twenty five minutes in, I feel good about this episode. Okay. I might actually hover over the love button when I publish <laughs> that's this. That's tacky. You shouldn't. Do I don't that. care. <laughs> there are a couple. Hey, let me just put it this way: there are a couple. There are a couple that I don't even post to Facebook when we're done. Right? <laughs> it's like, like if somebody subscri- subscribes to the podcast. If they find that, that's their problem. That's exactly it. I, that's on them. I, in the show notes, I want to put, so sorry about this episode. <laughs> Try again next week. <laughs> Try again later. Uh, this one is not encouraging, inspiring, inspirational, or what's the other We one? ain't got nothing. We ain't got it. Mildly entertaining, possibly. Maybe. Right. If you like a train wreck. Do you want to hear what Katie had to say? I really do. I already know what Katie had to say, but I'm sure everybody else wants to hear. <laughs> All right, guys. Here's what she says. She says, in this episode, you both said freedom was a key word that you would use to describe your family. And I'm really curious to hear more about how you are raising your kids in freedom and what this means for you guys. Your family dynamic and approach to parenting is such a breath of fresh air. I grew up in a very legalistic, religious background, and as my kids are getting older and more independent, I am finding that giving them freedom is such a tricky thing. Where does one even begin to set limits and still operate in freedom? I'd love to hear how this works for you guys on a practical level and what inspired this approach to parenting. Thanks so much for the great content you offer. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. So, Stephanie, I yes. have some thoughts that came to my mind instantly. I'm wondering but if you shouldn't start. You want me to start? Yeah, I all think right. so. Well, first of all, I grew up in a very legalistic 
background as well. Right. Uh, not necessarily. My my mom and dad weren't necessarily the Christian religious legalists in my family. Um, my mom is more that today than she was when I was a kid. Um, but when it came to religion, though, I did grow up in a very legalistic uh, religious background. My mom and dad pretty much sent me to church or allowed me to go to church versus dragging me to church. So I actually did attend uh, the quote-unquote local congregational gatherings uh, in a very evangelical, fundamentalist, Baptist, Nazarene, all of that kind of background. Uh, Not only that, but while I was going to Pentecostal, Nazarene, and Baptist churches on and off throughout my childhood, I'm also attending a Catholic school as a non-Catholic. All right. So, and by the way, I was one that my mom and dad got a call from the principal where I was playing Steve Martin out on the on the uh, playground with his, you know, with his religious questions. Does the Pope crap in the woods? Only he didn't say crap. Um, and, and not only that. And then I was taking my King James Version Bible to school, quoting scriptures. When at the time, the particular Catholic church that I, or school that I was a part of, they did not encourage their parishioners to have their own version of the Bible to to read and interpret on their own. So it was an interesting time for me as a child. And I had a lot of different religious influences going in and they were very legalistic. And now outside of the religion side of things, as a child, my mom and my stepdad were both very strict. So while it wasn't a religious legalism, it was very much a relationship where I was expected to fall in line, and if I did not fall in line, if I did not do the things I was expected to do, or if if I if I didn't do the things that I was expected to do, or if I did things that I wasn't supposed to do, I was punished. I mean, we're talking pretty significant punishment. I, mean, I wasn't beat as a child or anything like that. Um, I, I mean, I. I did get whippings, you know, that doesn't happen today for a lot of people, but you know, there, there were, there are twigs broken off of trees and, 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 uh, there were belt buckles and, and stuff like that. And, and if I, if boy, if I got a D on a report card, I was, I was grounded. I got spankings. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, I'll never forget the day, the very first time in my life I ever said the word crap in front of my mom. I was like, what the crap? And my mom took my cheeks. She took her hand and and in my in her hand, she grabbed my cheeks and pinched them as hard as she could and said, you will never say that word again in my house. And the funny thing is, is <laughs> what? It just makes me think of this conversation we had at dinner with your mom and dad, like, and what he, anyway, yeah. it's hilarious. So, I mean, I get that. I, I grew up in that kind of household. Right. And, you know, if, if I, if I was, if I did everything, I received lots of love. You know, if, if I was doing the right thing, said the right things, acted out the right thing, I received lots of love, lots of praise. If I messed up, I received lots of punishment and not intentionally, but it seemed as though from my perspective, love was withheld from me. Does that make sense? It does. And from now, when you equate that to what I'm learning in these religious institutions, I'm actually being taught by some people, incorrectly so, but I'm being taught by some people that when we sin and do something that God doesn't want us to do, that God has to look away from you. 
and that 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 actually breaks your fellowship with God and God will not intervene God your relationship will be broken unless you ask for forgiveness and I remember very much being indoctrinated in such a way that there was one time I I remember I I I guess I had heard about somebody who got killed in a car accident and I started to ask myself what happens if I was in a car accident and it happened all of a sudden and I didn't get a chance to pray and ask God to forgive me before I died. I'm going to, and literally thinking as a child, I'm going to spend eternity in hell. That's the kind of, so, so what is it, Katie? Mm -hmm. Katie, that's the background I grew up in. All right. And the problem for me is, and by the way, I love my mom and dad. I mean, I really do. And, and as parents, we don't have handbooks. And let me. And by the way, there are some handbooks on parenting out there, and they suck. <laughs> Not all of them. Most of them. All right. Mm-hmm. But but the thing is, is is there is no there is no handbook on parenting. And my mom and dad did the best that they knew how to do to raise me the best they they way they felt possible. They made a ton of mistakes on me. They lightened up a lot on my sister, and then I think they probably lightened up a way <laughs> bit much on a my bit much. my little brother. But anyway. The, but here's the thing, there, there is no perfect way to parent. And so I wanna encourage you, number one, don't look to us for how to parent your children. So I, I just wanna say that right out of the gate. Right, you I have can, to do what works for you and your family. I like, can assure you that 30 years from now, <laughs> our kids are going to still be going through therapy and probably will be recording content somewhere else telling people about how messed up their childhood was and how weird the things we did for them, even in our freedom. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, I joke all the time that I'm saving for their therapy. I'm yeah. not. If they need therapy, they need to pay for it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Once they're adult age. So, if they're a minor and they need therapy, I'll pay for it. But, but hey. Okay, so, and, and then I, so I wanted to share all of that to preface that, number one, I get where she's coming from. Right. And, and so a lot, of, a lot of where I'm coming from today is I don't want to do for my kids what happened to me. And that is I feel like a lot of my upbringing, not just from my mom and dad, but also the religious upbringing. So a combination of the parenting that my parents gave me and the religious understanding of God and, and sin and, and freedom in that area when I combine all of that, I came away with a very messed up view of my relationship with God. Okay. And that is what primarily, she says, what, what inspired your different approach? And I will tell you very clearly, for me, what has inspired the approach to parenting my children in freedom is the fact that I want my kids to understand a a more clear understanding of their relationship with God and that it has more to do with grace and mercy than it does with discipline and punishment. Yes. There's that. And then she asked one other question and this is the other thing that like instantly came to. She goes, where does one, where is that in here? Where does she, I think she asked somewhere, where does one even begin? Now she says, where does one begin to set limits? Um, and, and so I think, do you want to answer that first? I I, I just want to say this one last thing where I forget about, I'm going to say, forget about this, the setting limits for just a minute. But the question is, where does one begin in this approach? Mm -hmm. And for me, the answer to that is very clear. It because one begins parenting in freedom by 
pursuing the understanding of the freedom that they have in Christ. That's where one begins. That's where it began for me. And it, for me, this wasn't until September 2010, wasn't it? I can look. 11. When we left church? Yeah. 11. When we left the congregational gatherings. So September 2011 is where this all began for me. And yeah, it, 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 so for me, it was, it was in trying to wrap my mind around God as an incredibly loving father. When my experience with having a father has not been what I am being told God is to me, you know, although there have been plenty of people who have told me that my father in heaven is just like my father, that experience that I've talked to you about before, that if I do something wrong, I get punished and I get disciplined and that love is withheld from me unless I ask for forgiveness and then repent and do the right thing. And then love is freely flowing, you know, and all of a sudden that, and, and the thing is, that I've come to understand, I have come to a personal understanding that is not how my relationship with God in heaven works. That his, that I am, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You, it is for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. And, and so I spent the last several years of my life pursuing a greater understanding of God's love for me. And, and how that actually doesn't have all the limits that I once thought it did. Does that make sense, Stephanie? It makes, it makes sense. Okay. So, okay. so now what are your thoughts? Well, <laughs> you've taken up the whole time. Um, I have to leave in like 20 minutes. I feel like you started. I mean, if you want a comparative, if you, if you want a comparative um, in that how I grew up, I'm is completely different. Right. Um, and I almost have, I have two completely different, you know, from till I was nine years old, I had no limits. You would say that I was the good girl. I didn't break any rules. I didn't do it. My siblings, um, my siblings at, on my, my parents are divorced. My siblings on my mom's side say that I'm the angel. I'm I'm the one who does no wrong. I'm the <laughs> clearly they don't know me very well. Um, I'm 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 the perfect one. I never get in any trouble. I never do this. I never do that. Um, and that would would probably that would probably describe my first nine years. Okay, and then from nine to eighteen would be completely different. Um, I don't. What changed there? Just what so changed you, there was I moved. I moved. Your mom, your mom, and your dad were divorced. Yeah, and, and for I the spent, first nine years, you was, lived with your mom. And for the next nine years, I lived with my dad. Yep. And um, well, for the first three years, I did live with both of them. They were right. married until I was three, but I don't remember those. Um. So what was different about so the second nine years? What, your dad more disciplinary. My dad was very much more um more disciplinary um lot stricter things were his way or no way um still are actually <laughs> but i never i never felt unloved even in discipline um i will tell you i only got one spanking because by golly that's all it took for me to know i'm not going back for more <laughs> now that does not mean that i did not know the line like my dad has 
a look. I don't know if it's like steam out of his ears or a, or a vein in his forehead, but there's a look. And I knew where to push and then when to back off. Like I walked the line, but I didn't cross the line yeah. after that spanking uh, because that was, seriously, I didn't sit right for like a week. Um, I deserved it. Okay. I, I deserved it. But, um, so, so I have two very, very different ones and I don't think that I ever really related them to my relationship with Christ because I didn't really have that until I was an early teenager. Right. Um, I think mine is more molded by... Wait a second, just so people are clear and I just, for the record here, so the people who are relatively new to us, so religion and God wasn't a huge part of your life growing up until you were a teenager. Right. Okay. Right. Just so that people get that. And so I never, um, I never related how my parents were with me with my relationship with Christ. Right. The you, two it, never crossed. God just me. wasn't a, a routine thing on your mind exactly. at the time. Whereas exactly. in my lifetime, it was, God was there every weekend, you right. know, well, every day down. at school. You know, he was always looking down yeah. below and, you know. When he was with you every day at school, I mean, yeah. you, were, you were going to Catholic school. It was, but, um, but I think a lot of my, a lot of my childhood is locked up in the bondage of my abuse. Yeah. Um, I was afraid to do things. I was afraid. I never, I was never in a place where I felt unloved um, in my second half of nine years. I was never in a place where I felt unloved or unaccepted or, but I was uh, afraid to, do things or say things or I really was I really was figuring out who I was allowed to be. Right. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So And you don't mind me saying, you know, cuz it's it, you've shared this in I've podcast shared it before. Publicly. But but when Stephanie says my abuse, when she was young in the first 9 years of her life, um she had a stepfather that sexually abused her. So yes. and that is something um, that Stephanie's talked openly about in the past. So And it was the result of my decision to move in with my dad when I was 9. Yeah. And, um, it was, it was my way out. No, it, it, actually, the, that I, is what led that to is your what decision. Led to, that is, yeah, that was, did, that didn't happen as a result of your decision. No. The other way around. Okay. Just yes. making sure people don't get mixed up. Get mixed up. Yeah. So yes, that was, um. So that's why that's you why transferred should, over right. to your dad's it, it was household. It was a way out for me. Yes. I, I, I was offered a way out and I, I took it. Um, it's, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, that's a whole nother um, podcast another time. So, so I was, I, I feel like in a lot of ways I was raised in freedom in that, um, in my second nine years yes. from the time that I was nine to 18. Um, my dad is very much himself every day, all day. Yep. Um, he has no filter. Nope. <laughs> and he's not afraid to tell you his opinion. Nope. He's not afraid to rant about something that he believes in. Nope. And um, the rest of the world just better watch out because but, he is completely comfortable in his own skin to share his thoughts, his beliefs, and himself. And the thing is, is it, when you say you were raised in freedom, I mean, when you and I started dating, you were 16 years old and you and I were dating. And I will tell you, there there. I mean, it was a very free environment it that, was. It, that you and I had as, as there boyfriend, were, girlfriend. Yeah. And, but there were limits. There were, there, there were limits, but at the same time, there were things that, 
you know, that, that he was aware of that. You know, like that listen. we had open conversation about. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It, that we we talked it was about as free as free could be, right? You know, I mean, we so so I really feel like that. Um, my dad laid the groundwork for the parent I am today. I would agree with that. That does not mean that I didn't get lost and screwed up along the way. Well, and I think <laughs> because partly because I of think, me, I brought right, I, I brought my legalism brought your, to our did. parenting, and um, and so our first six years as parents was really rough, very rough, and um, I totally screwed up like <laughs> night and day. I mean, like, but, night, but here's the like thing. Every I, I night, honestly, every day, like we didn't know any different. Like we didn't, we were figuring it out. I, I remember, um, oh good Lord. This was probably, was it the year I turned 30? Was it seven years ago? I don't know, but I spent a whole, here's the deal. I love my dad. I still call my dad daddy. I love my dad. I don't, um, honestly, the first man in my life to show me what real love looked like unconditional always accepting real love which is the way that it should be Mm -hmm. um i just didn't find that until i was nine but i spent eight months was it eight eight months not speaking to my dad over my parenting yeah I remember that. That was probably one of the hardest times of my adult life. Yeah. Um. So my dad laid the groundwork for the parent that I am today. And, and so if you go back to Katie's question about where do you begin, I think you begin with unconditional love. Yep. No matter what all the time, every day, even if they have a D on the report card, which two of our kids brought home last week. <laughs> um, and, and that doesn't mean that our kids don't, our kids have limits. They have boundaries. Where the freedom comes in is the freedom to screw up. I think my, um, one of my favorite things to remember as a mom is that I was 16 once. I was 14 once. I wasn't a 14 year old boy, thank God, but I was 14 once, you know? Um, I was 10 once. And it really wasn't all that long ago. Yeah. Remembering, and, and I'll, I'll use Megan because she's a 16 year old girl. Um, I remember what it was be like what it was like being 16. Yep. I remember the fights that I had with my dad. I remember my dad sitting in our kitchen right here just a couple of months ago and and you asking him if if I made his hair as gray as Megan makes sure then he says yes right about the time she started dating you. Yep. And I was 16. If Megan tried to bring home a 22-year-old dude right now, ain't no way. Ain't no way. I'm perfectly fine being a hypocrite in uh, that way. I will too. And, and and that's and that's the point where I throw freedom <laughs> out the window. Well, no, I mean I'm just I'm if, almost kidding. You're <laughs> The funny thing is, is that if we, if we say no, she's going to do it anyway. I, that's exactly it. Which is, and that's why which I'm is, just, I think what that's my why dad I'm knew, almost kidding. Which I think is what my dad knew. Yeah. And, um, and so. He, he knew where to draw. He knew, he, he knew where, what battles to pick. 
And yes, he did. And he, you know, he he'd rather us make stupid mistakes and be in relationship and and have the relationship where he could tur- where we could turn or where you could turn to him, right? And still have relationship that where he could still have influence in your life for the good, right? Versus setting such boundaries that you decide you're going to go your own way and it and it cuts off that relationship. Right. Like I think about um <laughs> okay. Um so if if you're in the car with small children, then okay. I'm going to I'm going to be real here. Okay, so okay. just keep that in mind, shut things off here, pick up later if you have young kids in the car or anywhere in earshot. In vicinity, right. So when I told my dad that I had sex for the first time and, and I I, t- I told my stepmom first and um and then I told my dad and I'm thinking like he's gonna be so disappointed in me like so out I just I was I think I was ashamed of myself and uh-huh. so I expected him to be and by the way this and that was before this, I met Cliff at this point so, were you already in quote-unquote congregational gathering life at that time i was and is that where the guilt came probably yeah I, I was just, I was just and, wondering. um <laughs> my mom put a little on too but um <laughs> so but i i told my stepmom and my dad first and and so i remember and and you know my mom when i say my mom i mean my stepmom Lori. she loved me she didn't judge me she didn't but i told my dad and he's like so what'd you think and i'm like okay <laughs> first off not the response that i was expecting and secondly we had an open conversation about it yep i mean we sat down and we talked about it it was real it was you know um my mom however called me bad name like my your biological my mom. biological mom called me bad names and so, so that's like the vast difference. You, there yep. was, there was a freedom to make my own mistakes Yeah, and the grace to love me anyway. Can I tell you before, before this September of 2011, when I, I mean, I literally, I, I like the chains fell off. I became free in September, 2011, completely free. Uh, I, I and by the way, and I grew actually, that's when the chains fell off, but I was kind of like the elephant that has, have you ever heard the thing, you know, how they can take an, a baby elephant and tie a little chain around its, its leg and it, and put a, a pole on the ground. And because it's a child, you know, a baby elephant, it, 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 can't, it can't get away. Right. And what happens is over time that elephant grows and it stops trying to, to see a, what right. it can do and so even those this elephant they can still put that little rope around its foot and put a stake in the ground and, and that, it won't move that that elephant could easily like just whatever that's right. nothing right get up but, and go and trample the person who put it there but i after i so i i will tell you i immediately understood that i had freedom but i didn't know what freedom was i was like the elephant who right. was still you know i i I, 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 the, the chain or whatever that tied me to the pole was gone, but I still, I still suffered from just sitting next to the pole. Right. It, it's over the course of the last several years that I've learned that I can actually graze in other areas. And it's like, what? What? No way. <laughs> Who knew this world was out there? But- so, but, um, the, what I was going to say though, is prior to September, 2011, as a parent, my number one fear as a father is what if my kids have sex before they're married? That was like, that was my greatest fear as a father. And that's what I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I was, how can I protect them from this moral 
degradation that is a part of our culture today. You know, how can I, how can I have that? How can you thrust upon them the shame of that if it's a choice that they make? Because it's a part of, uh, trust me, it was, that, a, I, I know, but it that, was a part that, of my upbringing. That's how I was taught. Is I understand. That, that, you know, you sexual immorality yeah. is, is, is something that, that boy, that if, that if anything's going to mess up your relationship between you and God, if anything's going to cause him to turn his back and turn his face away from you, it is going to be you doing something sexual. That that is, God draws the line there, and this is my upbringing. I know it is, and I find it funny. And you should know because, and and, and again, I hope your kids aren't around. Yeah. Stephanie and I, before we were married, had relationships with, relations with one another. I I and was going to say you 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 struggled with that. I, I it was I know. I thought I did. thought for sure I was going to burn in hell. I mean, <laughs> there were times I actually I didn't think that all the time, but right. you know because. But it was a it was a very big deal, and 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 here's the thing. Now I live in freedom today, right? Mm-hmm. And I parent in freedom. And do I still want my kids to wait? I do. Do I believe God wants them to wait? I do. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it my greatest fear as a father that they would have sex before they get married today? No, it's not. Um, do I expect them to have sex before they're married? I don't expect them to. Right. Do I think it's a very real possibility given the culture that we live in and the society and just the way things are? I do think it's a very real possibility. And is there anything I can do as a father to keep it from happening? I don't think so. I don't. And and so where do you draw the limits? Where do you draw the line? I I I say, you know what? Here very open with you. They our kids know about our relationship and prior mm-hmm. to being married that they're not unaware of that. We're very open with that. We both say that, you know, it, it probably would have been better had we waited. Um, and, and they're very, I think it's very clear that we both believe that this is what God's desire for us and for them right. is that they would wait until they're married. But here's what I can tell you. What I know today for a fact is that even though you and I didn't, God did not turn his face away from us. Mm-mm. It did not, it did not ruin our lives. It was, and it, I don't believe it was. Didn't the, even ruin our marriage. It wasn't even the moral scandal of the, of, of, of it the wasn't. century. It, it, it was, it, and, and by the way, could there have been some other consequence? Could there have been things that, yeah. Yes. And, and there are, I mean, there it, are, some people have to deal with the consequences of that. Absolutely. There, there, you, I mean, thankfully. I think we dealt with our own consequences Neither of, of us had, you know. You know, diseases that we brought Mm -hmm. with us into that. Those are very real possibilities. And God's not going to keep, God's not going to give you AIDS or keep you from getting AIDS. That's not how this, but there are very natural consequences to having all of these relations outside of marriage prior to being married and being in a committed relationship. But the thing is, is that is not God either shining his love and affection on you versus, you know, turning his face from you in shame of what you've done. The reality is, is that. We all are undeserving of his love and he gives it to us freely as a result of what Jesus did for us. And that's what I've come to understand today is that it's not what we do or don't do. The price has already been paid, not once, but for all, mm-hmm. if we are in Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if that answered Katie's question. I don't know. But 
But Katie, that's what that's that for it, us. That is the answer. It 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 is. I think I think we answered what she asked. What does it mean? What does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. What as parents? What does that look? And the very practical thing I think is the only thing we showed is that it, it's different for both of us. It it is different for both of us, it but it's because but we, we both have. But here's what we can say: is do we set limits for our kids? So let let's ask that. Yes. Where do we set limits? Where, where do we begin? Where do you and I begin to set limits with I our kids? Don't know because that they're each different. I think the limits are different with each kid. And I think that that's appropriate to their age and other what they're than, uh, what they're experiencing in life. And other than the moral things that we expect from them, we, the limits are different per child based on age and personality and gender and... Like what? Do you have any examples of like any... So do I have any... Sex any before example? marriage. What, with our kids, what what do you think are, what is your, if, if the kids come to you and say, should I have sex with my boyfriend or my girlfriend before I get married? Um, I'd like you to wait. That would. But it's not about me. It's. Yeah. I, I, w- I, w- I would say the same thing. I say, I personally, I would like for you to wait. I've explained. And the reason why I would like you for to wait is, is because I believe that's, that's what God desires for you. Mm-hmm. I believe that is in your well, best see, interest. And I wouldn't, I don't even, I'm, I, I would get, it. Megan and I have already had very real conversations about sex. I know. Very, very real. Um, I'm very open with her, um, I'm, which is another thing. In the, I don't lie to my kids. Yeah, we don't lie. I don't. We I don't, don't even tell our kids. We never once told our kids Santa Claus exists. <laughs> I really hope your kids weren't listening. <laughs> well, they've been they've been out of the room for a very long time. I, I hope so. Um, but uh, my kids, my kids say they'll even tell their friends. My mom doesn't lie to me, except at Christmas time when I'm trying to hide a gift or whatever. That's, right. They will even tell you my mom doesn't lie to me, except for at Christmas time, and. Um, and so Megan and I have had very real conversations about sex. Yeah. Um, so much so in the fact that she's very knowledgeable about my history, about my past abuse, about the fact that no one told me that it was okay to say no until it was far too late. Um, and that my body was my own. And so that's where I've started with my girls. Their body is their own. That is hers. It can't be taken. It sh- well, it can be taken, but it shouldn't be taken. And she, it's hers to have to. And that's where I've started with right. with my girls. And that taking that into marriage is a beautiful thing. I wasn't given that opportunity. Um, it was taken from me without my permission long before. I ever knew that it was a possibility to have that. Um, she knows that you, know, Megan knows that that my trauma from from my sexual abuse came into our marriage with me, um, and that it took a long time for me to get over that. So I've had very real conversations about Megan about what it means to have sex before you're married, about what it means to um, have multiple partners. What it you know very real she has the knowledge to make her own decision yep i've asked her to wait until she's married i said but you're gonna make a decision on your own one way or the other yep 
my, I, I ask that you wait until you're mature enough to make that decision. Yeah. Don't, don't make it too early. Yeah. And, and so, and that's a very real practical way that we approach freedom. And the other thing is, is that, um, one of the things that I can tell you that's freedom is in our home and in our private places, uh, where like in our car and stuff like that, you will find that our kids language is, you know, remember what I said when, when I said the word <gasps> crap the first time in our household. Yeah, and, our kids say worse. Yeah. The, the, our kids are very colorful with their, with their language. And, but you, you know, know what? what? They are less so out of our presence because we allow it in our presence. Yes. And I would rather, I would rather that than the other. Yeah. Because I would have been terrified to, to curse in front of anybody. And when I was at school, oh my gosh, it was bad. I still feel weird cursing in front of people. I don't. I'm myself. (laughs) If I need to say. But the thing, here's the thing. All my life, whenever I, you know, if I hurt myself or I get really, I, do I curse? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're I funny do. when you're cursed though. <laughs> it's so it's almost like you're it's almost like your gears are like fighting against it. Like like you don't know whether you should actually say it or not. Yeah. But to answer Katie's question, for me personally, all I can say is where did this begin? It began for me, it began in experiencing the freedom and understanding the unconditional love that I have from God which didn't come for me until September 2011. And this whole idea of applying it to parenting came from a a podcast interview I did with Steve Brown. If you can just go to this website address, gspn.tv slash Steve Brown. And that'll take you to episode 131 of a podcast used to be called um, Encouraging Others Through Christ. Again, gspn.tv slash Steve Brown. Listen to that episode where, and specifically listen to him talk about his father, who was an alcoholic, by the way, and how he, and and what and how if and if, actually listen for him to tell the story about when he and his friends used to steal apple pies or um, pies from a grocery right. store early in the morning, and and how his alcoholic father dealt with him. And that, you already shared that story in the last time we talked about this. Okay, but well, go and listen to it. And hear word for word how he describes that that experience, and and that's where all of a sudden it started to click for me as a parent. And in that conversation, even I was talking about as we're talking about experiencing freedom for the you know as a new thing in my life, how I'm feeling and trying to to apply that to me myself as a parent. And you'll even hear him talk. But Cliff, you'll do this. You'll notice this. And and so Katie, I right after listening to this. Go listen to episode 131 at gspn.tv slash Steve Brown. And Stephanie, you have to go. I do. Great episode. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be back again next week. And until then, we encourage you to live your life on purpose. Podcast. Add some man.